My audio fine. Welcome in episode 29 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy. We are here to break down the week three DraftKings main slate. It is a slate where there are injuries galore, not a lot of value at running back or phantom value at running back uh, with Claude Edwards-Alaire. Um, a lot of mid-range wide receivers to love and uh, Travis Kelsey's on the main slate. So uh, this is going to be a solid slate. I think there's three awesome games on this slate. Um, we're going to have to kind of navigate around with those. And of course, we get Justin Fields uh, in his starting debut week three, finally here uh, on the road against Cleveland. So, man, what, what's your overall take on this slate? Um, I think in general, it's probably the worst slate we've had so far. It's a little bit ugly. Um, most of the games are a little bit, you know, they leave a little bit to be desired outside of, you know, we've got obviously the big three. We got Casey and uh, the Chargers. We've got Seattle and Minnesota and the Rams and the Bucks. So those are three really, really nice games. Outside of them, man, um, not really too much, you know, that, that that is really speaking to me at the moment. But, yeah, so in general, it's a little bit of a weaker um, slate. There's a lot of injuries. There's not too much value that I'm really confident in. The mid-range of receiver, like you said, there's a lot of interesting plays there as we learn more about who's playing and who's not. Um, so, yeah, I guess let's just get into it. Yeah, so starting at quarterback, I think that the guy you're going to be wanting for cash games is going to be Justin Fields. So down at 5,200, he's on the road. The Bears have a 19 implied total, so that's not great. Um, but at, the biggest thing for Fields is his rushing. Um he ended up having seven for 34 uh, in, I believe he played about three quarters of that game when Andy Dalton got hurt and he runs four, four flat or four, 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 I believe. I mean, this is, this guy is massive. He's probably the best athlete on the field, 5,200. That's just too cheap. And then you know, taking on Cleveland, it's not a terrible matchup. I mean, they ranked 27th DVOA um, and have allowed 8.7 yards per attempt. So, uh, the matchup is fine. It's not like super daunting, um, but a 5,200 for that rushing ability, it, this is too much to pass up. Yeah, I agree. I think at 5.2K, with a guy who's this talented and he runs a 4-4, the Browns, I mean, they're a good defense, but I don't. it's not like they're playing, you know, like the 2015 Broncos or something. like. So, um, yeah, I just think he's – essentially a cash game lock this week. Like I, I expect him to be very, very highly owned. Um, I'm not expecting like a ceiling game from him in his first order or anything like that. Um, but I mean, I expect him to be more efficient on the ground with running the ball. Um, and his first start, you know, he will have Allen Robinson. He targeted Mooney a lot last week. He has commit Montgomery. So the weapons are there. Um, they're pretty healthy on offense. Uh, I expect that they'll probably be losing. I think, you know, the Bears defense is not anything to be scared of from the Cleveland side. So I think that Baker and the boys will probably, you know, likely be leading this game. So that can be good for us, uh, get a little more design runs, you know, some scrambles, maybe a little bit of garbage time from the field. So, but it's just a 5.2 price tag. Like it's way too cheap. Like, how owned do you think he's going to be in cash games? Because I think he's a lock. 
Uh, I think he's going to be massively owned. Uh, I think him, if you go up a little bit, I think people are going to be on Daniel Jones just because of the matchup against Atlanta. Uh, he's projecting out pretty well as well. I, I much prefer Justin Fields. I think people will be on, um, of course, Kyler up at the top at 8,200. And uh, Lamar is also up there. And then coming down a little bit, you know, the game between uh, Matt Stafford and Tom Brady, I think both of them will get some ownership, Herbert and Mahomes. So, I mean, there's kind of a lot of ways to go. Um, but I think Fields is easily going to be the highest owned quarterback on the slate. He'll probably come in at least 30% in cash, at least. Yeah, and I mean, when you get that rushing forward at such a cheap price tag, like 5.2K, that's beautiful because I think, you know, 40 rushing yards here is probably a lock. Yeah. Um, he was pretty inefficient running the ball last week, and I don't expect that to, to happen again. Um, I mean, this guy is just so talented. Like, runs a 4-4 flat, like you said. I really expect 40 yards minimum here. Um, but, you know, on the contrary, if, if you're not too confident in fields, the other guy that I really like, is Justin Herbert at 6,500. Um, like we said, it's one of the premier games on the slate. KC, you know, the Chiefs are six and a half point uh, favorites. It's a 54 and a half live total at, the, at this point. It might be up to 55. Um, and I think at a 6.5K price tag, coming off a little bit of a, of a disappointment last week with that Cowboys game, I just think this is too cheap for the talent that Herbert has in the game environment that we're expecting. Uh, the Chargers, you know, in general, they're one of the past happiest teams in the league. They pass at a 70.8% clip so far this year, and I don't really expect anything to change. You know, the Chiefs week in, week out are probably, you know, the best bet in the league to score 30. Um, last year, you know, Herbert made his debut against Mahomes and the Chiefs, took him to overtime, went 300-plus in a touchdown in his first start. Week 17, you know, he hit him for 302 and three touchdowns. And, I mean, we've already seen this year, the Chiefs defense is just complete trash. Like, they just got trucked by Lamar last week after basically being spotted seven points. They still lost that game. Uh, week one, the Chiefs defense allowed Baker Mayfield to throw for an 11.4 yards per attempt. That is just freaking unreal. 11.4 yards per attempt from the Browns? Like, holy crap. Making matters worse, uh, the Chiefs only pressure the quarterback at a 16.9% rate. Uh, that's first, fifth lowest in the league so far this year, um, despite blitzing at the ninth highest rate in the league. So they really are—they really struggle to get any kind of real pressure. And that was against a Ravens team last week, too, that was without Ronnie Stanley, who's one of the best left tackles in the league. So uh, the Chargers, you know, their offensive line's taking a major step forward. Um they're only allowing pressure on 19.1% of dropbacks. It's pretty solid. So expect Herbert to have a lot of time to throw. We're going to like his weapons. You know, the Chiefs are going to show up. I expect Herbert to. It's a division game. It's very important for, you know, the outlook of their season. So uh, it's 6.5K. It's just way too cheap. Yeah, I'm with you. I already bet his over. I think his prop was uh, like 293 and a half when I got to it. I think it's already up to like 302. Yeah, um, I saw it at like 302 and a half. Yeah, so that thing's starting to climb. Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely in on Justin Herbert uh, in this spot. We, we just know the past time going to be there. It's going to be an absolute uh, shootout uh, in Arrowhead. I, I absolutely love Herbert in this spot. Um, moving over to running back, I, you know, I think my favorite running back playing the slate is Austin Eckler. He was my favorite last week, too, and 
uh, he ended up only ended up being about, you know, like 5% owning cash, which is just like a total travesty. I have no idea how he was 5% owning cash. Um, and from the ownership projections I've seen, it's, it's projecting him not high again. And if this guy comes in low owned again, I'm, uh, I'm really upset. I didn't play him last week. So I'll, I'll definitely just double down and play the hell out of him this week. Um, you know, Eckler is a three down plus goal line back. Now he even got a, um, a two point conversion last week. Um, we know he's going to be in there in all the passing downs, two minute offense. And now if you're telling me he's going to be a goal line back, I mean, he's just going to absolutely smash 7,200. It's just, they didn't even move his price. Um, and he scored like 22 points and even scored a touchdown last week. So, um, had nine receptions. We know this guy's a total stud. Um, you know, in his last five games against Kansas city, he's averaged 109 yards from scrimmage, um, that he's per game. So, I mean, this guy, he, he's just a boss. We, we know Austin Eckler is an absolute beast. Um, you know, averaging 16 and a half touches, four and a half targets. Um, and taking on a Kansas City defense that allows 5.7 yards per carry, um, they're just garbage. So uh, I, I'm all in on, on Austin Eckler. Yeah, I agree. We talked about it last week. I think the big thing here is, you know, we he had nine receptions last week. He scored 22 I think, uh, DK points without getting in the box. There's nine receptions in a full PPR site like DraftKings is really, really valuable. And we talked about it last week. We said the zero reception performance in week one, that's just an aberration. That's not to be expected. It's Austin freaking Eckler. Like, he's the closest thing that we have in the league to Alvin Kamara at this point. <laughs> I mean, after Kamara showing last week, maybe he is the new Kamara. But, um, yeah, I don't understand the ownership. Last week, 5%, that was just – ludicrous if he's not gonna be highly owned this week then we might be in for a windmill performance if he's low owned i'm eating him up we've been talking offline there's really only for me there's only three real running backs that i really have confidence in this week i think it's really ugly slate for running back um it might have confidence in um but yeah this game environment like eckler is gonna be on the field the whole game they I mean, regardless of if they're winning or losing, the Chiefs are going to put up points and they're going to have to keep up. So expect a lot of receptions again, like seven, eight, nine receptions from Eckler. He gets in the box and he gets six, seven, eight receptions. Like that is just pure sex. So like you're waiting on a 30-burger there. Uh, I mentioned that there are only three guys I really have comfort that I'm comfortable with this week. One of them is Dalvin Cook at 8,200. Um, and it's starting to be a little – It's it's getting a little bit concerning. He's been DNP all week with an ankle injury. Uh, and on top of that, they have a 425 start. So we're really not going to know until late in the afternoon, probably around three o'clock. So I think when inactives come out for the late, uh, the late games. Um, so, and it's not like it's a shoulder injury or something like that. Like it's an ankle, it's going to directly affect his performance and possibly his playing time. I know that Mike Zimmer came out and said that, you know, they're not going to, um, they're not going to limit his workload, but I mean, it's Mike Zimmer. We've heard Mike Zimmer just talk out of his ass in the past. So it's really hard to know. And I think that if he is out in Madison, at six, he's probably going to draw ownership, but regardless of the injury, it really suits up as a, as a juicy spot. Uh, so we'll talk about him nonetheless. It's the highest total on the slate with 55 point over under. Uh, Seattle's allowing the most points per game to opposing running backs on the season, 42.7 points per game thus far. 
five points more than any other squad. And it's mostly due to the fact that they've allowed 21 receptions to running backs for the first two weeks of the season. And they played Tennessee and Indy. I mean, Derrick Henry got saw six targets against them last week, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. That's the most of his career. And then they got, you know, pummeled by Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor in week one. Um, and we know Dalvin's involved in the, in the passing game. He's had 10 targets over the first two weeks of the season. So that's really, really solid. And, I mean, there's not much more to say about Dalvin as a talent. Like, he's locked in goal line. He's locked in third down. He's just an absolute stud at the running back position. Um, you know, he's a top three running back in the league. And at an 8.2 price tag, that's completely fine for a three down plus goal line back. It's just the injury. So I think that it's likely that because, you know, Dalvin and Henry are in a similar price point that we're going to see a lot of this ownership that Dalvin's projected for kind of um, – you know, float over to Derrick Henry, if I were going to guess. Uh, that's probably where, where I'll be going at this point, unless we get some kind of good news about Dalvin. It's just a scary, scary start. Um, if he even does, you know, get rolled out there on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think he's a great play if he's healthy. If he's, you know, it, I mean, he's truly questionable. He's DNP all week. So, um, and it's a 425 game. And the problem is, like, okay, you plug Madison in there, or you plug uh, Dalvin Cook in there, 425 rolls around and, and he's rolled out. Okay, so you come down to, you know, who you going with. There's, there's only four, four o'clock games, so there's not a lot to really pivot to. You can go down to Alexander Madison, but he's 6K. It's not like he's, you know, 4K or something like that. He's a slam dunk. He's not necessarily a great play at 6K. Um, so it, it's kind of difficult, uh, kind of trying to figure out where to go from there. Um. We got to talk about Saquon Barkley. So, you know, Saquon at 6,500, you know, on a short week last week, playing on Thursday night against Washington, he ended up playing 84% of snaps and handling 15 of 20 running back touches. Um, You know, and now he gets a long rest. It's basically kind of like a mini buy um, and gets to come home and take on uh, Atlanta. I mean, I, I can't really think of a better spot for Saquon. Um, you know, 25 and a half implied total home favorite, three point favorite, um, probably going to be in line for 20 touches. We know he's a goal line back. We know he's their passing down back. And he's talking, taking on Atlanta who lost 4.6 yards per carry in their 27th DVOA against the run. Um, it's, it's kind of just a really nice spot. He's not too expensive. Um, you know, typically Saquon is sitting up around the 8k range and to see him down at 6,500 as a home favorite, um, it's just kind of makes your eyes pop out and um, you know, he's such an awesome, awesome talent. I think that, you know, coming off the ACL, he's probably getting near full go at this point. And I think the giants are ready to unleash him played 84% of the snaps last week. I, I can't imagine what he's going to play this week. It could be up to 90%. Um, and if that happens, I, I, I think he's just in for a massive explosion. Yeah. So I said, there's three guys that I'm, comfortable with this week and if I had to have a fourth it would be Barkley everything about this game just screams play Barkley their home favorites against one of the worst defenses in the league the snap rate is going up every week Um, but for whatever reason I just I just can't wrap my head around you know getting on board with Saquon for some reason it just feels like a trap to me he had that 40 yard run last week and then did nothing else um, 
but he is coming off an ACL. He's rusty. Like the more he plays, the better he's going to get. Like he's Saquon freaking Barkley. You know how good the guy is. Top five talent in the league, if not top two. But I don't know. I'm just having trouble with this play. Like I, it just feels like a trap because it feels so good. And he's so cheap. But if I had to have another guy, he is cheap and he is a value. 6.5K for Saquon Barkley. It's, it's hard to overlook that. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what his ownership is um, because he is such a value. That it's a juicy matchup. It's about as juicy of a matchup as you can get. Uh, if there's going to be a game where the Giants have a positive game script all year, like, is there a better bet than playing this crappy Falcons team? <laughs> so, and they're home. So, uh, Man, it's a good spot, but like I don't know, like it just feels like a trap to me. So I'll probably be, you know, having an internal battle about this this spot until Sunday morning. So, uh, so the last guy I'll talk about here is Derek Henry, eighty six hundred. So I mentioned earlier that I think he's probably going to be the most popular guy if if we don't get any, you know, kind of optimistic news on Dalvin Cook, and it really is a nice spot too. Uh, he's the, the Titans are five and a half point favorites against Indianapolis with a 48 over under, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. The big story here with Henry is the receiving work we've seen to start the year. He's had 10 targets the past two weeks with six last week. Just truly wild. It's, it was a career high and even four targets the week before. It was not something that we're used to from Henry. If he's going to get that every week, it's really going to inflate his floor and it's going to be really, really hard not to, you know, consider him week in, week out. We We know that he has that weak winning upside that you're going to need if he's chalky. There's nothing scarier than fading a chalky Derrick Henry in DFS. Nothing. I've done it before. It's killed me. Done it before and it's been great. But it's scary no matter what side you're on. So I get why people would play him or fade him. But just getting into the game environment, um, last year he gashed Indy. He went 27 for 178 and three touchdowns in the second game. The first game, he went 19 for 103. And now there's talk that Carson Wentz is going to be a game-time decision on Sunday. Man, if Wentz doesn't play, it's going to be an extra extra juicy spot for Henry, uh, assuming they're going to – they'll probably win that game easily if Wentz is out. It's, despite how bad that, that Tennessee defense is, I can't imagine that Henry's just not going to carry the load against that team. Um, so we're outside of really any real solid running back spots too, which makes, you know, stomaching a Derrick Henry play as the highest price guy on the slate, a little bit less scary. Uh, and if I'm hesitant to say that we should be expecting anything near the receiving work that we've gotten so far this year, but they're actively scheming to get this guy involved in the receiving game. And we get this every week. It's going to be really, really sexy this year. So, uh, and, and we know how good Derrick Henry is. We know that he's locked in the ball line. He's as good of a bet at the running back position to score any given week. Um, so, yeah, I expect him to be very, very chalky this week. Yeah, I do too. And it's always a scary fade. Uh, Derrick Henry is a home favorite. You know, he, through the two games, he's averaging 30 and a half touches. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, he has He's averaging three and a half opportunities inside the 10 per game taking on defense averages uh, 4.8 yards per carry allowed, and they're 29th DVOA. So, like, this is just a total home run spot for Derrick Henry. 8,600, man, that's that's tough to fade him at that price. 
Um, I think some people are going to be paying down. I, I think the chalk running back build, uh, to me this week, I think people are going to be on Saquon, Henry, and their third running back to pay up for those guys is going to be CEH. And um, I, I still don't know where I'm going to play him. I know you're not going to play him. Um, I'm probably leaning away from it. Um, but CEH, he's 4,800. He's at home. Course on the Chiefs with a 30 implied total, highest on the slate, six and a half point favorites. So, you know, the game environment objectively is the best spot on the slate. Um, and, you know, he plays 69% of the snaps. He's averaging 15 touches per game, only 1.5 targets. So he's not really involved in the passing game. Um, you know, and he's taking on a Chargers defense that allows 5.5 yards per carry. And they play two high safeties where they kind of invite you to run. So, um, you know, it's tough because CEH is typically up in the 63, 6,400 range, and now he gets the best game environment, and they bump him all the way down to 4,800 because he's been absolutely terrible. Um, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough because he looks awful, and they're just not even giving him the ball anymore. Um, he fumbled away the game uh, on Sunday night. So uh, 4,800 is, is really cheap, but uh, also he could just be like Devin Singletary and just kind of uh, not really get used as the chiefs just throw and throw and throw. And he just kind of stands there and, and uh, stands there in the flat as a ball goes 80 yards down the field to Tyree kill. So um, what are your thoughts on CEH? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll admit he's valued 4,800, but this is just, I'm full fading. CEH and cash and tournaments and whatever you want to say. Like I told you earlier, I think he's just fancy Devin Singletary. Like I really don't see a difference in these two guys. And, and I don't enjoy saying that because I mean, we both love CEH coming out of college, but he just hasn't been very good at the NFL level, despite being in the best offensive league. But he's got 30 career red zone carries and only four touchdowns. Like, that that's not good. Uh, he fumbled last week. He literally, literally cost the Chiefs the game against Baltimore. He didn't even have a reception last week. Like uh, they just seem to be phasing him out. It just feels like a giant trap. The game environment is the only the game environment and the price tag is the only reason that I can see playing him. And I personally hope he is chalky because if he kills me, first of all, I just don't see how he can kill me. Like. He'd have to have the best game of his life, I think, to kill me. Um, and, like, what was the chance this guy actually scores twice when he's only got four touchdowns in his career? They don't really use him around the goal line. They have Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player in football. Like, I, I just I just think he's fancy Devin Singletary. Like, the Bills have a good offense. He gets about the same role as Devin Singletary does. Um, like, I just think he might he might be a bust. Like, he's clearly a bust as a first-round pick, but he just might be a bust as an NFL running back. Like, I just, I just don't – I don't, I haven't seen it with him, and I don't think the Chiefs are really, like, jumping with joy to give him some more touches. So, I mean, if he gets – I do think he's going to be chalky because of how, how cheap he is, I and mean, he is a solid value. But, like, I can just see, like, 12 carries and, and two receptions and not getting in the box, and that's just not going to do anything for me. So, I'll be full fading him. Yeah, he's one that um, – yeah, he, he's really a tough one here to kind of decipher. Um, I, I'm probably leaning away from CEH um, in favor of actually a four wide receiver build, but um, let's jump into wide receiver and kind of 
get to the meat of why I'm kind of leaning towards a four wide receiver build in this week. And the first guy we have to talk about is Cooper cup at 6,800. I mean, um, I mean, this guy's has been absolutely lighting it up. He's the number one, is he number one or number two wide receiver in France? I think it's him and Tyler Lockett. Um, but he's at home. This is the fastest pace game on the slate. Both these teams, neutral pace. They're really, really fast. It, Rams have a 27 implied total. Cooper Cup's playing 97% of the snaps. He's a full-time player. He's averaged 33 points per game in his first two games. He's averaged 10, 10 and a half targets, a 38% target share, 133 yards from scrimmage. Um, he has 1.5 end zone targets uh, per game in each one of these games. Um, and he's taking on a uh, Bucks defense where he's going to be covered in the slot, mainly by Ross Cockrell. I mean, this guy is absolutely garbage. Um, you know, last year in the same matchup, he caught 11 of 13 targets for 145. Um, and I think the biggest thing for Cooper cup is the passing volume for the Rams. So Matt Stafford has only attempted 28, um, pass attempts per game, uh, in these first two games and, uh, Tampa Bay against them, Dak Prescott threw the ball 62 times. And Matt Ryan threw the ball 48 times. So if Matt Stafford is likely to throw the ball nearly around 50 times because Jared Goff last year in the same matchup uh, on the Rams was Sean McVay threw the, one, threw the ball 51 times against Tampa Bay. So, I mean, if Stafford's going to be doubling his pass attempts, he's going to be throwing the ball 50 times. And Cooper Cup is probably going to have, you know, right now he's a 38% target share. I think that comes down to around the 28% range. But even that, I mean, if you take 28% of the targets um, and they throw the ball 50 times, that's 14 targets at 6,800. Uh, this guy's just a total fucking smash. And so, and so is Robert Woods, too. Robert Woods is right there, too. Robert Woods at 5,700. Yeah, I mean, he only has six and a half targets per game, but he's still a full-time player. We know how good Robert Woods is. Um, he just hasn't kind of had it so far this year. It's only two games, a small sample. Would it surprise me if Robert Woods ended up being targeted more than Cooper Cup this game? No, because Robert Woods is probably about just as good as Cooper Cup. It's just been Cooper Cup so far. Um, and that's why he's 11 or he's 900. No, he's 1100 more than Robert Woods or yeah, than Robert Woods in this spot. So, you know, our Woods has a 23% target share and Cooper Cup has 38. If that flops and that completely switches this week, I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, Robert Woods is a solid player too. So, uh, I think both these guys are awesome plays. Yeah, that, that's a crazy stat. Like, I had no idea that Stafford was only throwing 28 times a game. That That is truly wild. And yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup is a complete lock. I don't see a way that anyone could convince me to fade him in this spot. We faded him last year. We got, we got killed for it. Mm-hmm. Week four, he completely smashed. How does he not smash here? Tampa Bay is a pass funnel. They're giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing receivers, 55 points a game right now. Yep. And the Rams are likely to be out without Darrell Henderson in this spot. And you can't run against Tampa Bay either way. Sony Michelle would then step into the, the RB1 uh, role. He's one of the worst players in the league. In the entire league, he's one of the worst players in the league. I firmly believe that. So, like, holy cow. If we even get anywhere close to 50 uh, pass attempts for Stafford, and regardless of how good the Rams' defense is, um, expect Tampa Bay to put up points. Like, they're, they're playing the GOAT, and this offense is just clicking on all cylinders. 
fully expect Tom Brady to not have a problem scoring against this defense whatsoever. Um, so if we even approach a 45 or 50 attempts from Stafford in this game, with how efficient this offense has been, holy crap. Like if you fake Cooper Cup in this spot with a 55 and a half point total, like I'm just not doing it. He's a complete lock. Uh, he should be 100% owned in cash games. Just he quit be, DFS. He should be. Just quit he, DFS. He, if you don't play Cooper Cup, just fucking quit. No. And, and with your take on Robert Woods, I completely agree. Like, what's he, 5,700? It's just way too cheap. Like, it's still Robert Woods. I don't care. He had nine targets last week. That's fine. And he only threw 28 times. Like, what's there to complain about? That's 25% target share. Like, come on now. Like, right. No, actually, no, it's not. It's like 30 some percent. So like, it's still Robert Woods. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if they flip flop target wise or if they both saw 12, 13 targets in the spot, it would not shock me. And I think Robert Woods, because of his, you know, deflated price tag of 5.7K, like, he's, all, he's also going to get ownership. I don't think it's crazy to play both of them in the same lineup. You're probably, you know, decreasing your, your, your upside in, the, in, in that position. But I mean, I'm not going to fault anyone for doing it. I have, uh, now, I have one more thing on this Cooper Cup, Robert Woods thing. So right now, Cooper Cup has a 38.2% target share, and Robert Woods has a 23.2. Okay, so let's add those together. So 38.2. Uh, plus 23.2. Okay, so right now, them combined have a 61.4% target share. How many times – we're going to say Matt Safford's going to throw the ball 50 times in this game. So if they throw the ball 51 times – 61% of that is 30 targets. You're telling me it's 30 targets between these two guys. I, I will take that all day. I'll play them both. And if one goes off, the other one, you know, if one goes off like like six, 16, 17 targets and one gets like eight or nine, whatever, fuck it. I'll just play both. And whichever one goes off, goes off. And I get points for both of them. I completely agree. Like what a great stack that is in GPVs. Yeah. Like, holy crap. They're both in play. Jumping over, jumping over the other side of that game, uh, Chris Godwin at 6,100 is also too cheap. Like everyone in this game is in play. Uh, as of right now, AB is, Antonio Brown is still on the COVID list, and as of today, is not cleared. That's big. He's likely out at this point on Sunday. Uh, that makes Godwin and Evans the clear wide receiver one and two, and the clear top two targets on this offense. Um, and like I said before, this offense could not be clicking any better at this point. Um, he's got a 23.4% target share that leads the team. Uh, Evans and Gronk have an 18.5 and a 16% target share, respectively, behind him. Uh, he's also playing the most snaps at receiver, 93%. And he has the most red zone targets on the team thus far on the season with five. Um, like we said before, Tampa Bay has a pass funnel defense. I expect Stafford and the Rams to have zero problem moving the ball against this defense. They're not even going to try to run the ball, especially with no Darrell Henderson. If he plays, I still don't think that they're going to run the ball with him. Um, the 55 and a half point total, like, I don't think, like, we really need to emphasize how high of a total that is. <laughs> like, that is, and, and if this went over and I expected to, wouldn't be shocked. This game could approach 70 points and no one would be shocked at all. Uh, the one thing that might be a little bit concerning with Godwin is that Godwin plays a slot on about 73% of his, his routes run. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey on the, on the other side, he has been shadowing the slot on about 55% of his snaps. Now, 
that's a little bit concerning because Ramsey's one of the best corners in the league. But even if he does shadow Goblin, that's only about half of his routes run. And we can only get, we don't know what the what the Rams are going to do. I mean, last year in this exact same game, Ramsey shadowed Evans on almost all of his routes. Um, now, granted, I did look into this, and Ramsey did move around a lot more schematically last year. So this might just be a new, um, you know, change of scheme for the Rams. But we don't know. Um, Who's to say that Evans doesn't start going off and they throw Ramsey off? Like, we have no idea. That's why we don't like to put too much thought in these wide receiver cornerback matchups because it's too unpredictable. The, at the, the bottom line is Tampa Bay is going to put up points and they have no AB. Do not expect Gronk to keep up his, <laughs> his two-touchdown-a-game pace for the rest of the season. Don't expect that. No AB is a very, very big deal. Chris Goblin's already been leading the team in snaps, targets, red zone targets, and a 6.1 price tag at a 55.5 point total is just really juicy. He's going to be one of the highest known players on the slate, and rightfully so. Uh, and for what it's worth, I think Evans is too cheap as well, and I love him. I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I think both of these Tampa Bay guys are in play, especially if, um, if Antonio Brown's going to be, be out. <clears throat> the last receiver I kind of want to mention, well, we have two more guys we want to mention. Well, actually, a couple more. <laughs> Marvin Jones, 4,900. That, that's an awesome play. He's averaged 10 targets per game, 25% target share, um, you know, 66 yards per game, uh, 1.5 end zone targets, taking on Arizona defense that uh, their secondary is trash. They're going to be throwing all day long. Mar I like Marvin Jones, 4,900. And then um, another just total smash here. Uh, with Keenan Allen, 6,600. Somehow his price went down 400 from 7K. Um, you know, in this shootout game, uh, you know, with the Chargers taking on Kansas City, he's averaging 20 DraftKings points per game, 10 and a half targets, 24% target share, 104 yards from scrimmage, um, and taking on a Kansas City defense that uh, allows 10.8 yards per target, and they're like 25th DBOA, DBOA against the pass. Um, this is a bad defense, and Keenan Allen's a target hog. We know who he is. Um, in nine games against Kansas City in his uh, in the last uh, five years, he's averaged 17.1 points per game. So um, we know Keenan Allen. He, he's a total total smash um, at 6,600. Yeah, we we probably talked about Keenan Allen more than any other guy on the show. Yeah. Uh, week in week out, his volume is just so elite, especially with Herbert now at the helm. So. You just play him in matchups like this to 55 point total. He's the wide receiver one on a great offense with Justin Herbert against a terrible pass D. So you just play him. That's all there is to it. And Marvin Jones expecting a lot of garbage time from the Jags. I think they're going to get blown to shreds. <laughs> he's the clear alpha on that team. I know LaVisca Chenault, he's a little bit banged up. DJ Chark's kind of just a deep start at this point. He's hard to trust. Marvin Jones just seems to be the clear favorite target for Trevor Lawrence, and he's just severely underpriced at 4.9K, so I love him as well. Uh, last guy I'll talk about right now is K.J. Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings. He's 3,500. Uh, he's just the clear best receiver value on the slate. Um, you know, him combined with Justin Fields really gives us the needed value to, you know, pay for guys like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook and, you know, if you want to pay up a tight end and get Kelsey Wall or Hawkinson, you know. Uh, so, again, this game has a 55-point total. 
Uh, Minnesota has a 27.5 implied team total as slight home dogs. And Osborne, for the role that he's shown to have the last two weeks, he's just too cheap at 3.5K. Uh, he's just gotten really solid usage so far. He's the clear third target on the team. He's playing, you know, about 75% of the snaps, I believe. He's got he's getting 19% of the targets. If you can get a guy who's approaching a 20% target share at 3.5K, that's just unheard of. Uh, in, in a game where the this game environment, you couldn't ask for much more 55-point total against Seattle. Uh, he's also getting 22.8% of the team's air yards. Uh, the last two weeks, he's had nine targets and six targets, respectively. Uh, and this looks like another spot with potentially no Dalvin Cook where they're going to be very pass happy. You know, this Minnesota defense, for all the talk of them being improved from last year, they haven't shown it thus far. Uh, so I completely expect Russ to score against this pretty mediocre defense. So expect Minnesota to have to keep up. And I think Osborne at 3.5K for this role, just far too cheap. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I, I've been toying around with some lineups and I would really love to be able to get uh, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods and Chris Godwin in there. And you can there's some lineups, lineup constructions where you can fit all four of these guys in there. Uh, but on the off chance that you can't I think maybe come down from Robert Woods or one of these guys um, down to KJ Osborne and then upgrade your flex. Um, but I I absolutely like KJ Osborne in a game where you know they're going to have to be throwing. He's 19% target share this year, and you know he's on the field for, you know, about 80% of their plays. Um, now they're running so much with 11 personnel. So um, if Dalvin's out, I think that makes them tilt towards the pass even more, and could make Osborne an even better play at 3,500. I believe he's leading the Minnesota Vikings in receiving yards, and uh, I mean that's not going to hold. But at 3500 it's just too cheap. Yeah, and so, for what it's worth, he's probably going to be the chalk, one of the maybe one of the top three chalkiest players uh, at receiver, if not the, the most chalky, just because of the price tag, 3.5K. Um, but before we move on, let's just talk about why we're on a four receiver build real quick. Um, for me, there's just so many plays at receiver this week, and I don't like any of these running backs outside of Henry, Eckler, and Cook. And Cook might be taken off the board. He, he may play. Like I said, he's been DMP all week with an ankle. If he does play, might be limited. And we won't know until around 3 o'clock on Sunday. So that kind of leaves me with Derrick Henry and Olsen Eckler. I'm not confident in Saquon. I'm not playing CEH in the Outside of those guys, there's not a lot to like at running back. But, you know, at receiver, we've got guys like Godwin, Cup, Keen, and Allen. They're all very strong. we got Osborne, who's a great value. Um, Marvin Jones. Other guys we haven't talked about. Chase Claypool looks really good at his price tag with no Deontay Johnson. T. Higgins is likely to be out. Likely to be out. So, Jamar Chase at 5.4K. Tyler Boyd at 4.7K, great. Darnell Mooney, I think it's 4,300 in a game with Justin Fields where he saw a lot of targets from the last week. And I think we're due for some positive regression from him. And it's a full point PPR site, which really raises the floor for these receiver plays. So like, I just am not confident in running back this week and all jamming these receivers in. Like if you played a four receiver build last week and you played Keenan Allen, Cooper cup, Jamar chase, and, 
Who's the other one I'm forgetting? Now I'm blank on that one too. I'm blanking too, but there was another guy <laughs> that was chalky last week. If you played the four of them, you had a great day, a, a total smash of a day. So uh, running back is just really, really ugly this week. And, you know, most weeks we talk about how the floor that they give us from a touch perspective, but this week it's just, it's really ugly. Yep. Yeah. So over at tight end, um, you know, there's a couple guys down here. I think Hawkinson at 5,200 is an awesome play. You know, with his 22% target share, nine and a half targets per game, 82 yards per game. And he has an end zone target in each of these games uh, that he's played so far. And he's taking on a, uh, Ravens defense that allows 8.4 yards per target and has given up the most fancy points per game to opposing tight ends with 30.8 DraftKings points. Now, you know, they've taken on Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, but TJ Hawkinson is getting the same kind of volume as these two guys and is just as talented. So uh, at 5,200, Hawkinson's too cheap. And then you have Tyler Higby at 4K, who we played last week and he completely shit his pants. But uh, I'm not too i'm not scarred too bad i put some uh baby powder on and uh, i'm all right uh but you know it's the same kind of uh reasoning that we're talking about with cooper cup and with robert woods is just the the raw pass volume that the Rams should have in this game if they're going to throw the ball 50 times tyler higby is a 100 snap player um only has a 13 target share so far this year i think that climbs a little bit but even um, even a 13% target share, if they throw the ball 50 times, is six and a half targets. Um, if Tyler Higby is going to get six and a half targets at 4K in a game, it's going to be a complete shootout. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. In Tampa Bay, they've allowed nine for 65 to Dallas tight ends and then allowed seven for 88 to Atlanta tight ends. So um, I, I like Tyler Higby a lot at 4K. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Just starting with TJ Hawkinson, 5,200, he's just way too cheap for his role. Like, he's leading the, the Lions in targets. Nine and a half targets per game is very, very elite at the tight end position. We're really, I think, seeing him take the next step towards that Kelsey, Wall, or Kittle range. Um, he's leading that team in red zone targets, and it's a game where they're probably going to get completely trucked by the Ravens. So look for them to be playing from behind. He's clearly golf's favorite weapon. I think people just straight up forget how good of a prospect he was coming out. Uh, I believe he was the eighth pick overall in that draft. Like he is a great, great fucking talent. So look for him. He he. I'm not one to pay for tight end, but like Hawkins is really juicy this week at that price tag. And then Higley, like you said, I second everything you said there. Other than that, like let's talk about some of these punk guys, like. Uh, for example, like Jared Cook at 3.9K, I think he's completely fine. He's had a solid role, solid target share. Um, let's see, he's had five and eight targets the last two weeks, so that's fine, especially in that game environment. Another guy I like is Austin Hooper. Uh, he's had he's only had five and three targets, but you know, with no Jarvis Landry now, I know Beckham's coming back. Um, who's to say how many snaps he's going to play? So I think. You know, at a 3.6 price tag for Hooper, he's fine if you get, you know, five or six targets out of him. Um, other guys I like, like Cole Komet, he gives you a stack of fields, and he, it's, he's clearly leading the team and, and snaps the tight end position. I know he only had one target last week, but he had seven a week prior. Um, 
you know, he could turn into a safety blanket for Fields. Uh, other than that, you know, Fryer Muth, he's really playing a lot more snaps. Gerald Everett is in a great game environment. Uh, Tyler Conklin, again, way too cheap at 2.9K for his role in a great game environment. And Conklin might eat up, you know, similar types of targets that, you know, Dalvin Cook would see, uh, with, you know, those low ADOP throws. So, yeah, like uh, there's a lot of tight end guys for once that I don't mind going to this week, which is weird. And they're all cheap for the most part outside of Hawkinson. So uh, there's a lot of ways we can go this week at, at tight end. Yeah, and if you have the roster construction and the salary, uh, you can always play Travis Kelsey up at 8,200. Darren Waller is up at 7,400. I, I personally prefer to just play TJ Hopkinson if you're going to go up. I think TJ Hopkinson is the highest I would go for cash games um, just because you can get, I mean, very similar production right now with TJ Hopkinson uh, compared to Kelsey and Waller. I mean, Kelsey's average 26 DraftKings points per game. Hawkinson, 23, Darren Waller, 21, um, and Gronk, of course, 24. But I, I'm not trusting that um, just because Gronk is pretty much touchdown or bust, even though he's playing like 84% of the snaps. It's just I, – I, I, I haven't played Gronk in like five years. Um, and maybe that's a leak. That's an egregious just, price tag. He just continues that's to score. That's an egregious price tag. But 5,500, I mean, he's touchdown or bust. It's uh, I wouldn't play Gronk. I, I would play Gronk if he was 4K. I'm at 55. That's too expensive for me. I'd much rather play Hawkinson. Uh, it's worth mentioning that, you know, the Ravens the past two weeks played Kelsey and Moore got trucked by both of them. Now, granted, they're the best two tight ends in the league, but, you know, if Hawkinson truly is making that next step into that top three or four tight end, you know, range, I see no reason that he won't do it again. I fully expect the Ravens to truck them. Um, that defense is horrendous. Lamar shouldn't have a problem moving the ball. So Jared Goff's probably going to rely on Hawkinson just like he has the last two weeks. So uh, I think he's just egregiously priced at 5,200. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So with that, I, that does it for episode 29. Uh, I, you know, this slate, I, I really am leaning towards a – for wide receiver bill. I'm not really sure because running back just doesn't have, you know, the, these guys like freaking CEH down at 4,800. Um, you can pay out for Henry. Um, I like Saquon. I mean, Mixon's there. Uh, Eckler we love. I, I think that I'm leaning towards, you know, if I, if I was going to play three running backs, I'd be playing Henry Eckler and Saquon. Um but then you're punting off tight end. You're playing Osborne to get there. And it just kind of gets a little messy. I really want to get to Cup, Woods, um, Keenan, and Godwin. I, I think getting those four is going to be a priority for me this week. Yeah, so you have a, do you have a windmill for the week? Sheesh. Oh, man. I, I, I think it's – I really think Eckler is going to be under-owned again. I, I don't know why people don't like to play this guy, but I think he's going to be under-owned again. It's just because people want to play up uh, – you know, if Dalvin ends up playing, they want to pay up for Dalvin. People love Saquon. They're going to be on him. There's going to be people on CEH because he's projecting out so well. People are going to be on Henry. I think Eckler might be under-owned, and that's just such a mistake. Eckler's a stud. Yeah, I agree. I don't understand this. Uh, like, he's not popping in projections, and he clearly was 5% last week, which was 
you know, shock to both of us. So I agree with that. Uh, outside of cash games, I think my windmill is going to be Chase Claypool. Uh, Deontay Johnson was ruled out this afternoon. They're, you know, home favorites against Cincinnati. Uh, in a game where Claypool's coming off, he was top 10 in air yards last week. So look for some positive regression there, maybe a little bit of a boost to his target share. And, you know, for shits and giggles, I'll say he'll get in the box twice. <laughs> All right. So with that, that's going to do it for episode 29 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We'll be back on Monday night, breaking down our lineups, talk about how we did. We're probably going to tilt some DK Metcalf and, and uh, Tyler Lockett if we have to uh, late swap again, but um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everyone has a profitable weekend and we'll be back on Monday until then. Good luck, everybody. <laughs>